Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome, and this is Cindy Meyer, your radio show host, and this show is a weekly show brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Spirit Seeker is your connection to enhancing your mind, body, and spirit. We uh, have been published for 19 years and uh, have been available online since 1998. So you can find us as a print magazine throughout the Midwest in um, Missouri, Illinois, and Kansas, and then... uh, you, you know, of course, can find us online at www.spiritseeker.com. We also have a weekly email newsletter uh, that lets you know about who the radio show guests are. We let you know when the magazine is online. And then other fabulous Mind, Body, Spirit events throughout the U.S. Um, and into different parts of the world. But um, So that is that. And... I think that's it, except I do want to mention before I bring my guest on that if you would like to be added to our mailing list, we do not um, sell our mailing list. It is sacrosanct. Um, We do, you know, as I said, with the email newsletter, let you know about events. Um, But we also give away to our email subscribers. We give away books, CDs, um, DVDs, because we review all of these wonderful um, whatever's happening you know, whatever's making the world a better place. And so uh, we do periodic drawings and we reward our email subscribers with sending them gifts through the mail. So if you want to be added to our email list, please send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com. That's spiritseeker.com. And then uh, just ask to be added to our email list. Okay, so that is uh, that is it for announcements. And... Um, I just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us tonight. So our guest tonight is Dr. Georgina Cannon. She is very, very um, diverse in her background. She um, is an award-winning author. She's a board-certified master consulting hypnotist. She's a trainer and founder of the Ontario Hypnosis Center. She's a regular guest on national and international television and radio programs. Um, her work ha- gained prominence as a source for news and feature articles on hypnosis. Um, she's also known for counseling and complementary therapies and her commitment uh, to helping spread the word and helping others with her different techniques and approaches. Um, all of this has led to her uh, well-known recognition and honoring uh, in the international arena. She can uncover the power of your subconscious mind uh, and work with your mind-body connection in order to um, help you make the changes that you want to change. She, her latest book is The Third Circle Protocol, and we will be talking about that tonight and also how, how, to, how to make those changes. Um, okay, so Dr. Georgina, thank you so much for being my guest. Oops, I need to bring you on. Okay. Sorry, Dr. Georgina. Okay, you're here now. Okay, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I have followed your work and, you know, been aware of the the different things that you've offered for a while. So I was so grateful that you were able to um, find the time to be on the show. So, um, so what do you think, Dr. Georgina, about what's going on in the world? Now I know that's that's not a question <laughs> that can be answered in one sentence, but you know, I think it's so appropriate you know, that we can talk tonight and help help the listeners understand, like, you know, what do you do with all the feelings? So, and, and how, to, how to work with that. So, so however you want to start this. <laughs> sure, with pleasure. Um, one of the things I've been telling my clients, and, you know, in Canada, because that's where I am, it's not quite so fear-mongering as it is south of the border. But we feel it. You know, it's like sleeping next to an elephant. We, everything that happens to you, every time you turn over, we, we feel it. Um, so what happens is I, I tell my clients, remember that the dark is only there for you to shine the light. And we have to stay focused on being the light. We have to stay focused on making sure that we don't get sucked in to the fear, to the uh, ugliness of it all, whether it be Standing Rock or the election or the awful earthquake in Japan or what's happening worldwide in Iran and Iraq and Syria. We have to be very careful that we stand 
back from it and shed our light and help where we can, but not add into the ugliness, not become part of it. And we have to remember that what we focus on makes it stronger. So if we only focus on what's wrong, if we keep focus on how awful someone is or how terrible they are, then we just make it stronger. And I've had to remind myself with that in on Facebook too, because it's very easy to repost something that you find really abhorrent and terrible and difficult and just to prove that you got it and you want everybody else to get it too. But the more we do that, the bigger we make it. So there's a fine line between ignoring what's going on and not magnifying it. That's my take on things. Well, and it's hard because so many people um, do not really realize what this change in guard, shall we say, means. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the people who are like, oh, we we hate the Affordable Care Act and we want to get rid of this, they don't realize or didn't realize that it would all be gone. And they didn't realize that the Medicare and Medicaid people, well, the Medicaid, they never really were all on board in our country anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden... All of a sudden, people are like, "What do you mean? I didn't vote for, that. I didn't vote for that." And so, there's a fine line, and I have had a challenge with. Um, until the last few days, I finally have come back to front and center. But it's like, okay, so, so do you educate? Do you educate? Okay, this is what's happening, and this is how you can change it in a positive way. Yes. Or. And I think that's the key. It's no, not finger-pointing, but, okay, we have this situation, and how can we best shine the light on it and change it? And also remember that the journey from idea or concept to fruition, to coming to life, had to go through many iterations around the healthcare issue. And, um, and it got watered down and watered down, and suddenly it wasn't what it started out to be, from what I understand, I mean, it's not my country, so I can't really speak to it with great depth. But my point is that it, you know, it it wasn't, it's not what it was supposed to be. It got watered down and watered down. And there's no question that a lot of people now have health care that didn't have it before, insurance. But the insurance companies, it seems to me, and I, again, I don't really know. It seems to me the insurance companies set, set the rules. And, oh, they and, do. Uh, they do. And really, they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not really federal yeah. by any means. It's, it's, it's what the insurance companies want state by state. Right. And then so much of um, the swirling, shall we say, is the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's really what I hope we can talk about tonight is, you know, when we start to make change of any kind, there's unknowns. Yeah, and yeah, and with unknowns often comes fear. Um, that's why it's good to focus on the courage and the long distance, long range thinking of the tribes that are, are standing up for us all at Standing Rock. They're the ones that are protecting the water. They're the ones that are saying, "Stop raping the earth." You know, it, for our children and our grandchildren, the seven generations idea. We have to remember right. that. And, and when we think that way, it's not just the, the immediate solution, it's the solution after next that we really have to consider. So if we do this, then what? And then what? And then what? And people don't often, unless they're encouraged to, go that far. It's really true. And a lot, you know, of the, the light that we're shining on Standing Rock brings up a, a quite a bit of discomfort to Americans. You know, they they really, you know, here we are about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Yes. And so many people are saying, excuse me? You know, they were here before yes. we came, and look how yes. we're treating them now, and this is a little bit um, not okay. And no, and then no. now they're trying to do a spin on it. You know, there's a, you know, I've, I've worked um, as a, um, you know, a coach and a hands-on healer. I've worked on Native American reservations. They, they've called me in, you know, and, and I know there are problems on the reservations. There have been. You know, there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of addiction. You know, they won't yes. even sell alcohol in most cases on the reservation. You have to go off right. the reservation to get it. And so now that's the terrible spin. They're trying to say, oh, what difference does it make? I mean, you know, it's like a careless um, attitude toward 
generation after generation of these people. And I'm grateful to these, you know, Native Americans and now the veterans, the the, the veterans of the U.S. Yes. are now going out there too. Um, Jane Fond is going. You know, we have Leonard uh, DiCaprio. We have a lot of the, you know, uh, we just had uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, supporting. Yes. And it's, But I think it's all part of the injustices that are coming up for healing. Um, no question. It's it's like the swamp is being stirred. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but to say what difference does it make? They're all alcoholics. I, when I read that article, I just went, "That's it. That, that that's you know." So who's so, saying? Who's saying? Oh, it was that's the what newest. I want. It, there were three different articles today coming from different uh, angles saying that, you know, what's the point? These people, don't they have jobs? Why are, how, how do they have time to go out there and protest? None of them work. They're all on welfare. They're all, I mean, it's, it's this careless catch, uh, like, like putting people, just discarding people that is really, it's awful. Well, it is. And it's lumping people together, you know, and we have to be careful, again, not to join the hate. And I've heard myself saying, well, it's those Republicans or it's those white people. And those white males is what I say, not white people, because I'm a white people. Um, so you have to be careful not to do the same thing. And I found myself doing it. I had to stop. Right. It's always some people. It's not all. So I think that, you know, when we think about the fact that the Internet started pretty much in 1994. So, you know, we're we're 22 years out from 1994, if my math is correct, and times have changed. Drastically. Yeah. You can't hiccup without somebody knowing. It has changed. It's – I'm not sure if it's made the world a better place or not. Uh, it certainly gets the word out, but then so what? I mean, so more people make more dust around it. Is, is there necessarily more action? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm not wise enough to know that. I just know that it's, you know, it's it's a good place to voice your opinion, but then so what? Unless there's actual action. As a friend of mine who belongs to Doctors Without Borders um, said, you know, people talk a lot, but they don't do. If you want to see people that are really doing, have a look at Doctors Without Borders. These are people that are at the front lines everywhere, actually not talking, but doing. And I thought right. that was pretty profound, and it made me very careful about what I say, particularly to him. <laughs> right. That organization is fabulous. Habitat for Humanity is fabulous. You know, there, oh, there yes. are so many, you know, fabulous organizations. And, you know, and that's one of the things that um, I I have realized. You know, I, I do a lot, but I can do more. And I think that's mm-hmm. the part that, you know, when I've done my own uh, personal analysis, it's like, okay, where can I put my time, energy, and efforts and make more of a difference? And, you know, right. it's a pretty pretty big span, you know. So, But, you know, the good that I feel is coming out of the discomfort um, in our country that's rippling, you know, throughout the world, um, mm-hmm. is the fact that people are coming together and, you know, the people who are a little more complacent are saying, okay, I could have done more. What can I do now? Yes, yes. I should have voted. <laughs> right, right, right. So, Dr. Yeah. Georgina, you've worked with the mind. You've worked with helping countless people who kind of were in the loop-de-loop, and then they say, I want to change this in my life. So let's talk mm-hmm. about let's talk about change and, and um, just, you know, you talk, I'll interject every once in a while, but, you know, how how do you best – um, feel when a client comes to you and says, "Okay, I've got this anxiety over this. I, you know, I don't understand where it came from, but there's this. But I really want to go from here to there." Okay, so, so I'm, you know, the the new book is written about relationships, and in my mind, uh, we're in relationships all the time, and whether it be the cashier at the supermarket, or whether it be with somebody on Facebook or whether it be with our lovers, our friends, our colleagues, uh, family, exes. (laughs) We're in relationships. And to have healthy relationships, the most important thing 
is to have a healthy relationship with yourself first. And one of the ways of avoiding fear, deep fear, is to have this healthy relationship with yourself and understand what your values are. What do you stand for? What do you truly believe in? And I'm not just talking politically here, although that partly is included. But what do you believe in? If, if I, and I do, I ask my clients to write down what their values are and have a look and see where they live their values. And if they don't, maybe that's why their boundaries are weak or maybe that's why they're always anxious. Uh, there's an underlying anxiety in their life or many, many things can happen when you don't live your values. And when you know who you are and what you stand for, then you feel much stronger in your skin. And you accept the good, the bad, the ugly, because we're all everything. You know, we're all kind and we're all not kind and we're all smart and not so smart and we're everything. And the piece we choose to use of ourselves makes us who we are every day. So if you understand that, when you make a mistake or you lose your temper and you let anger get the better of you, then you understand that's just who you are and you can choose not to use that piece again because it goes against your values and your values are maybe, I don't know, trust, kindness, um, compassion. It could be to be heard. It could be uh, um, fun. Whatever your values are, when you really understand yourself, then you're, you're strong and sure in your, uh, with your footprint on the planet, your place in the world. And the, the book basically is called The Third circle because it's about that unwritten contract that we have in all relationships, including the relationship with ourselves. So it's, you know, as we're talking today, Cindy, you and I have a contract that we haven't spoken about. You expect something from me. I expect something from you. And we don't, we didn't talk about it, but it's there. So imagine that magnified a thousand times when you're working with colleagues or you're working with, um, you're going to a family, Thanksgiving's coming up, you're going to a family dinner, and you know that dear old Uncle Charlie is going to get belligerent and drunk again, and you're going to come away with your nerves frayed. What do you do? How do you manage that so that you don't go every time with trepidation and emerge with your nerves frayed? What do you do? How do you, how do you live with that? How do you make it work for you? How do you use the best of you? And it all comes from understanding your values and, and knowing yourself and being comfortable in your skin. And it's the same with politics. It's the same with everything. Because, you know, I, you look at the news this week and, and everything from the earthquake in Japan to Standing Rock to Syria to politics in states to, oh, my, Iran, Iraq, uh, everything – you could get frazzled. You can get splintered. And unless you hold yourself true and say, yes, this is all happening, what can I do? How can I make a difference um, with my values? What can I use of my values, the best part of me, to help make change? Not the worst part of me, but the best part of me. You know, because we, we all chatter chatter and gossip gossip and I, you know I've stopped reading a lot of the gossip stuff in the minute I see uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt this, this, I just switch it off I don't want to know it's their business I really don't want to know I'm decided I'm living my life and helping others through that one on one as you do except you do it more than one on one with your magazine your radio show and everything you're amazing amazing and uh they, you know, we do what we can from our values based. I, does that answer your question, or did I go off somewhere? It totally answers my question, and okay. you know, it's it's so interesting because, you know, one of the things, the threads, you know, that I've heard over and over again in different, you know, just you know, observation, shall we say, is how in the world am I going to handle this holiday season? And someone actually um, blogged on it today, saying. Just don't go. Just don't go to Thanksgiving. 
You know, if, you know, maybe that's a statement for them to not have you there. And I thought, that is not the solution. I mean, I, you know, and in my heart of hearts, it was like, oh, no, that's not the solution. You know, and yet, and yet I knew what she was trying to say, you know, but, but it's, but it's how can we, and I, and I think you you expressed it when we're strong and and know who we are, then we're not defending and we're not attacking. We're right. strong in who we are. Right. I, I have a wonderful phrase I teach my clients when they're dealing with someone who's irascible or someone who's determined to make them wrong. <laughs> we all have those people in our lives. And you say something like. And, you know, please forgive me any, if there are any Uncle Charlies out there. I'm just using you as an example. <laughs> you know, Uncle Charlie, I totally get where you're coming from. I really do. From where you're sitting, it makes perfect sense. But from where I am, it doesn't work so well. Not so much. But I totally get that where you are, it makes sense to you. So what you've done is validate him and his thoughts and feelings. But you said... It works for you, but it doesn't work for me. And even if he comes up and says, yes, but, yes, but, Uncle Charlie, I get it. I really, really do. I get it. But from where you're standing, it makes sense. Absolutely. But I'm over here, and from my point of view, it doesn't make sense. But where you are, it makes perfect sense. And you always have to go back to him. You always have to finish up with him and agree with him that it makes sense from where he is. And after a couple of splutters, they have nowhere to go. Because you validated them. Exactly. You know, and so they can't be threatened because you haven't attacked. That's right. They can't feel threatened because you haven't defended. That's right. You've simply peacefully acknowledged we're on different pages, but I can certainly understand how you feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to take that one bit further. We want people to take us the way we are. You know, I am who I am. I'm a creative. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. And yet we don't take people the way they are. <laughs> it, it is very funny in a way that, you know, um, we expect ourselves to be accepted and for all our quirks and, and cicadillos. And, and yet when people are different, we don't accept them. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but 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 it is no, true, you know. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I had a um, for the longest time I couldn't understand why my sister and I were were at odds with each other with every almost every conversation. Even it was like, "How are you?" <laughs> sort of thing. It was it was that bad at one point until I realized she absolutely she's very 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 artistic and creative. She absolutely marches to a different rhythm. It's not wrong. It's just different to mine. And once I got that, you know, I sort of slapped myself on the side of the head. And once I got that, it was so much easier. Uh-huh. You know, I wasn't right. judging her anymore. She just is. She's not cruel well, and, or wicked, and, right? She's just different. Right. And in your book, um, The Third Circle mm-hmm. Protocol, How to Relate mm-hmm. to Yourself and Others in a Healthy, Vibrant, Evolving Way, Always and Always. I love the title, by the way. I love this book. So, you know, let's let's talk about relationships. Let's just segue into that. Mm-hmm. We just talked about you and your sister and how that was a big aha when you realized, mm-hmm. wow, she's not a bad person. She just looks at it differently. Okay. Exactly. So. So if I can get that, then I'm not going to try and change her. I will accept her, and I mm-hmm. accept me as well. It's So let's mm-hmm. just talk about, you know, how we bring that into the different paradigms and different relationships. We have, you know, so many arenas that we all walk in and each and every day, um, you know, but, but we can start with families if you want, or we can go to work, you know, um, you know, over and over again, people are, are, you know, will say, oh, if I just had a different boss, if I just had a different coworker, if I mm-hmm. just didn't. And let's just talk about that because, you know, I, I love your, your advice on this because people just get really frustrated and they, they, they forget all yeah. of the good. Yeah. They do because we are, we are sort of wired, I think, to remember the bad and not look at the good. The secret to, to working with a, a difficult boss 
really is to uh, look at the job and see what it gives you, apart from a salary, and make it interesting for yourself and make it not necessarily fun, but make it interesting. Use your curiosity and do it the very best you can. In other words, get a skill. Become skilled at it so that it becomes something you're proud of. And if you remember that every day, everything you do has your signature on it, right? Has your name on it. Has your energy imprint on it. So you've signed everything. And we behave differently when we think that way. The other thing to do is to look at, again, look at your values. And if one of your values is kindness or understanding or whatever they are, um, see how you can bring your values into that relationship. And see if you can find an equivalent in your boss. Now, one of the biggest complaints I hear is that my boss comes up to me at quarter to five every evening and dumps a whole pile of stuff in my inbox or sends me an email, you know, at five o'clock or at eight o'clock at night saying, can you have this for me tomorrow morning? And, and I say to the client, how often does that happen? And they say, frequently. I said, well, what have you done to set boundaries? What have you done to be kind to yourself and to your boss? And the answer is, well, I don't want to get fired. Well, you won't get fired. But if you respect yourself, if respect is one of your, your values and you respect yourself and you respect your boss, you need to go to your boss and say to him or her, um, what can I do here? How, how can I respect what it is you want me to do? But also I have to consider my wife and kids or my husband and kids. What, what can I do to make this work for both of us? And come at it from an equal way in that way. Always bringing your values into it. And I think when you go at it like that, it's a very different attitude. You go in without fear. You go in as an adult, not as a subordinate. And you just, you, you'll be received differently. And I used to run a business, so I totally know. And the other thing is you stay at that job because you're responsible for your career. You stay at that job for as long as it serves you well. If something else comes along or you feel that you've learned everything you can there, then look for something else. Find another way of being. Um, you know, maybe a new career, maybe a new company, but always considering your values and what's important to you. Now, sometimes in life, I do know this, I'm not Pollyanna at all. We need the job to pay the rent. And to, and to feed the kids. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So what do we do? We find a way, because nobody can take over our mind. We find a way to make it interesting, challenging, and likable. We use our values to make it work for us. And it's all about attitude. Um you know, you, you have to you have to understand if this is not a job that you would choose, but you ended up in it and you need the salary and you need that job, then find a way so that it doesn't drain you, it doesn't deplete you, and you don't come home angry. Make it work for you. Use your curiosity. Use parts of you, the creativity, whatever it is, use the different parts of you to make it work. There's always a way. And if you have a problem with that, Send me an email and I'll help you. We'll find a way. <laughs> you know, I think that is the key. You know, um, I've had several clients over the years that have been discontent with whatever is going on with their jobs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm always, um, you know, the recommendation is, okay, but, you know, give thanks for this job until you figure out where you want to go. And, right. um where you want to go next and I've seen it over and over again and you know Georgina you probably I'm sure you've seen it where people who complain 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 and you know you you, you coach them guide them okay but you know you need to um, figure out where you want to go from here or this may very well be taken away from you and I've seen it where they get fired because sure. they're so miserable and it's a blessing in disguise but it's not because they weren't prepared for the rug to be pulled out at that moment so it's really right. 
Um, I, I, you know, I like in this book how you come at it from different angles with the relationships and, um, you know, so how do you, how do you handle a difficult boss? How do you handle a difficult, um, you know, uh, neighbor, you know, not so much neighbor, Mm -hmm. but, but you know, the different people and, and how, how do you work with yourself in order to navigate that passage, which is really where it all is. Yeah, that's where everything is. And ultimately, um, you have to decide whether you're going to live your story or live your life. And some people live their story so completely that when they lose their job, they have nothing to complain about except they got fired. So, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? They, 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 they are so invested in being a victim right. that when then they become even a worse victim. You know, what we focus on gets bigger. We talked about that right. earlier. Uh, so be a hero in, in your life, not a victim. And if you follow your values, that will make it work for you, your values and your priorities. And um, as I talk about in the book, your values are the rock on which you stand. They're your character. Your priorities can change every six months or so uh, as you move toward a goal of some sort uh, or not. I mean, your priority may be to, well, even that's a goal. If you, Your priority may be to get along better with Uncle Charlie. So what are you going to do? What are the steps you're going to take to, to get along better with Uncle Charlie? And uh, yeah, you have to know. You have to, you have to be a considered thinker. Right? You have to bring it all up and be aware of, of your behavior and, and your thoughts. You know, um, I'm a big fan of The Course in Miracles. I don't know. It's a set of books in case you're like, well, you know, listeners are like, what is that? It's just a set of channeled books. And I could go on and on, but Course in Miracles, if you choose to look it up. But there are a few sayings that um, I I believe are just, you know, wonderfully um, wonderfully guiding light tenants. And one of them is mm-hmm. we're, ne- we're never upset for the reason we think. And every upset is a setup. Anything that takes us off of our piece, it's a setup. So, so you know, the more, you know, I love how you keep coming back to what are your own values? What are, yeah. what is it that, you know, you personally want to accomplish? Where are you going with your life? You're in the driver's seat. Everything else is kind of yeah. like it's your, you know, you can attract it. You can, ex- you know, and you'll attract the experiences until you get the opportunity to change it. Shall we, shall we say? Yes. So, yes. so you know, I, we're never upset for the reason we think. So, if we if we have an upset, I think that the self inventory and the self processing is where the power is. You know, like okay, what just happened here? So, I can learn from this and do it differently next time. So, you know, and and that's the part of I, I'd like you to just, if you would, um, talk about you know how you address this in the book and just you know, with all of your years of experience with reprogramming or re recalibrating those thoughts. Recalibrating. Don't you love that? You know, when you're yeah. in your car and, and you um, don't do what the <laughs> GPS tells you to do, you get this stern voice saying, recalibrating. Right, right. <laughs> I want to say, don't tell me what to do. So, <laughs> um, the, the The part that I loved writing in this book, because it blew my mind, was when I did the um, research, talking with all the different professionals about relationships. Because we take ourselves again where we go. So what do our dentists think of us? What do our lawyers think of us? What do our physical trainers, our doctors, um, the massage therapists, all the people that we pay for some sort of service, what do they think of us? And they mostly said, come prepared. It, it really surprised me because it never occurred to me that people wouldn't be. Pay your bill on time. Come prepared. Be honest. Don't pretend something, you know, because I'm here to help you. Tell me the truth. And be prepared to pay if you cancel with less than 24 hours notice. And I'm not your friend. So even when we go to our hairdresser and we become really friendly, you know, 20 years in or whatever, they're not your friend. As long as you're paying them, they want you to remember that they're friendly, but they're not your friend. They have to keep that distance. So although they, you know, I've I've known 
people who invite their uh, lawyers to weddings or their hairdresser to a wedding because they've known them for years, all fine. But the minute you stop paying them, they can disappear out of your life. So you have to understand the boundaries of that particular relationship and treat it with respect according to your values and their values. So when you're changing, you need to find out who you are and how you are. And there's some good uh, tools in here, some good um, worksheets, including something called a SWOT, which is strengths, weaknesses, and and, uh, threats, so that you understand that. Then there's other sheets that talk to you about your values, uh, your priorities, what they are. Um, Also, when you're having a relationship that's an important one, like, you know, you're dating someone new or you've made a new friend or even a new job, what do you absolutely need, 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 need at the bottom, bottom line of every relationship? Is it, what what four or five things? Is it uh, to be heard? Is it respect? Is it kindness? What is it for you? Everybody's different. Four things or five things that you absolutely need. Then what do you want? You know, for instance, um, my top needs are kindness, uh, to be heard, uh, honesty, integrity. My want, want is humor. I like to laugh. Um, My want is good conversation, music, somebody who loves music. Uh, Most of my friends love music, one sort or another. And then what are you prepared to give to the relationship? And most people go, give? What do you mean give? (laughs) Well, if you're going to build that third circle, which is the combined energies of the two of you into a healthy, vibrant relationship, both of you have to give into it, not to each other, but to it, to keep that circle vibrant and healthy. So you feed it. And everything you do and everything you say, uh, it's worth considering how that um, helps that circle, that relationship entity, if you like, how it helps it thrive and blossom and keep whole and solid. And it's very important. I have many, I do a lot of relationship counseling and some of my couples, one of the partners travels a lot. And because of this protocol, at one time, uh, people would always worry that they cheat while they were traveling, you know, have an affair or something. No longer is that the issue because they know they're not worried about their partner finding out. They're, they're concerned about diminishing the relationship. And to extend that thought, this is why it works so well with teens and parents. Because if you get the teen to do the circle, their contract with the parent, they, have, they get some power. And they have to decide and design that relationship. So they're all happy when you say, what do you want? What do you, what do you need? And then you say, okay, so what are you prepared to give? <laughs> and they sort of drop the jaw and sort of squint at you and say, right. what do you mean give? <laughs> well, this is a relationship. What are you going to give to it to keep it healthy and strong? And it changes the whole dynamic. And it works brilliantly because the kid feels they have a say in how they're going to be treated and how um, they're going to treat their parent. And they suddenly realize they have a responsibility to keeping this healthy. And it works. It works, I would say, 85% of the time with teenagers. Well, they feel honored, number one, because yes. you've acknowledged them as um, yes. as mattering. Okay. You know, yes. I'm, I'm bringing this and I'm yes. willing to give this. And where are you? You know, and it and it helps them, de- you know, develop a value system of their own. You know, the the inquiry into what can I um, mm-hmm. willingly and lovingly bring to the table, bring to this relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these tools you can use, whether it's a boss, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a roommate, you know, whether yeah. it, it goes everywhere with you once you learn, you know, this, this um, wonderful system that you are teaching. Yeah, well, based on seven questions uh, overall, really, you know, how do I keep this relationship healthy? What do I do today that can improve the relationship? And do my actions uh, enrich the relationship for the long term? 
And what are my concerns today about this relationship? And is there something I need to do to correct that? And when should I be doing that? And what do I really want from this relationship? And when it's a a career relationship that we're talking about, it might be over the next five years or it might be over the next six months. Um, And this works brilliantly, by the way, for dating as well. And also for when you're working with aging parents because we're operating in that case on their value system, not necessarily our own, because we need to understand that. Yes, yeah, so you know, let's, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk about that because, you know, right now we have more baby boomers hitting that stage than ever. This is the yeah. largest in mass, you know, group of souls that incarnated at a time on the planet, shall we say. And, you know, and then we have the millennials, right? Okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, the millennials, more and more people are annoyed by the millennials. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at, a loss as to why there's such resentment with these millennials, but you know, I, I have my own theories. But but let's talk about, you know, we, we've talked about the sandwich, not we, but you know, there's been you know historically the sandwich generation where you have the the, the parents dealing with their parents and the children. Um, right. But right. But so let's just talk about intergenerational how how the third circle protocol, um, and and. You know, let's just talk about your tips on working with the elderly, and then let's. We already talked about the young people, um, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's more we can talk about that with that. So let's let's just wherever you want to go with it. Okay. Well, one of the things that happens, uh, we go one of two ways, or sometimes both at once, when we're talking and working with parents um, in family gatherings we revert back (laughs) uh, to being children because our parents treat us like children. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 40, 45, 50, and in your parents' home, suddenly your two brothers are hitting each other at the table like they used to when they were eight and nine, and elder sister becomes bossy, and just like she did when you were 10, 11, and 12. And your parents are telling you what to do and disagreeing with you and dismissing your ideas and tut-tutting some of the things you're doing or judging you. And we revert back to, we take snapshots of ourselves when we're younger and we revert back to that. Now, in times of trauma or trouble, when the parents begin to lose their strength, either physically, emotionally, or mentally, Uh, we're inclined to become bossy uh, because we take charge. And the danger here is that we forget what their value system is. And we have to be very, very aware that our communication is with them, is without ego. We don't have to be right. We don't have to force our opinion on them. And if you've got siblings, um, that's the time when you have to be very careful not to role play. Like, I'm the oldest, I know what's best. Um, When you're making decisions about where your parents are going to live, if they're going to move, or if one is very ill, what you're going to do, um, you have to have discussions with them in a way that allows them to be vulnerable without um, feeling forced. And if you're doing everything as a family group, then it needs to be an ongoing discussion. You you really can't um, invite out-of-towners into this discussion all the time because it's just not viable. The people that are in the same town as the parents are the ones doing the caregiving and see what happens. They see what happens every day, every minute of every day. So as somebody who's out of town, you don't see that. You just get the report. And if you're not careful, you'll be seen as what we call a seagull management, you know, where you fly in and poop all over everything and fly back out again. You, but, you, you know, have it to, happens, Georgina. It happens. I mean, I just happens. had a new client this last week who has the day-to-day management, everything, mm-hmm. and she's also uh, the trustee, you know, on the estate. And so mm-hmm. in comes the sister who just yeah. – 
likes to change it all. And she rearranged the furniture, of all things, rearranged the furniture. And the elderly mother is just totally turned upside down because she can't even navigate her own home the same way now. Right. And right, and the sister who's the primary caregiver is trying to explain this, and of course, it's just it's just totally chaotic. And but I yeah. love that the seagull relative seagull management. Yeah, yeah. Right. We used to use that when I was in the corporate world. We used to talk about you know the head office managers that came from another country and would fly in and spend two days with you and tell you everything that was wrong and fly out and leave you everything in chaos not help you mend it or anything, very much like the sister. So we called it seagull management. <laughs> yes, yes, that's perfect. Which is really uh, what it's about. <laughs> yeah. So wow. we, you know, need, need to think about your parents' values. Um, what's important to them? You know, if, if, if you grew up in an environment for your parents where how they were seen to be, how, what the neighbors saw or what the neighbors knew or thought of or talked about, if other people's view of them was important to them, don't dismiss it at this stage. If they don't want the world to know how vulnerable they are, then don't do that. I mean, be kind. Use your value of kindness and bring it in there. You know, it's keeping faith. They need to feel that they're being heard. And it's not always easy. I mean, I've done it, and I'm sure you have too. It's just not easy. But, you know, operate from your values, and, and it makes it easier. Okay, so we're going to change gears totally, and let's talk about relationships and soulmates and any wisdom you would like to offer in the process. We have more single people on the planet than ever before. We have so many different forms of dating and trying to find that person and... um, you know, et cetera. So what, what advice do you have for someone who says, okay, I'm finally ready. I'd like to, like to find that divine uh, partner. Okay. One of the things I would say is, uh, you know, we've talked about values and priorities, but the other one is what are your passions? What are you interested in? Particularly once you're past, I think, 25 or 30, to find people who have the same interests as you, the same passions as you, uh, and whether it be friendly friends or whether it be lovers, that's the place to go. So rather than sort of be general about it and just go out and find a nice guy or a, a great woman or something, think about what you're going to be talking about and excited about for the next 20 years with this person. And start from that point rather than a point of finding a good person, a nice, because you hope they're going to be a good person anyway, but you have to have something to have conversation about. It has to be deeper and stronger, particularly as you get older. When you're young, you can have fun and you can date and you can go out with a guy because he's a good dancer or he makes you laugh. All of that's good, but it's not enough to sustain you forever if you don't have the same interests and the same passions. For instance, a few years ago, I went out on a date with a very nice man. I haven't told anybody this. I'm just telling you and a few thousand people. Um, (laughs) A very nice man. And and, uh, we'd been to the symphony, as a matter of fact. And we popped next door to Starbucks for a coffee. And we were sitting there. And and I think this was our second date. And he said, you know, Georgina, you're a smart woman. You don't really believe this stuff, do you? So I said, what stuff? He said, well, you know, this thing you wrote about, this, what do you call it, past life stuff. So I looked at him and I said, are you telling me that I have no integrity? He said, no, 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 no. I just find it hard to believe that someone as smart as you would believe this nonsense. I'm telling you, I was so shocked. I didn't know where to put it. I said, you know, I think we have nothing else to say. Because if you really think that I'm pretending and I'm working with clients and I'm writing books about this and you're not open enough to say to me, at least tell me about it so I can learn, I said, we have nothing to say. So I got up and left. And he followed and said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What did I do? I said, well, you doubted that I have integrity. And for me, that's a big one because integrity is one of my values. 
anyway, he sent flowers and he phoned, but I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't because my integrity was questioned. So although we had, he was a nice guy on the surface, but he didn't um, meet my value of integrity, of understanding that there's, I'm, I'm, I'm living a life in, in a way that I believe is true. And he belittled it. How can you begin to have a relationship with someone who belittles one of your belief systems? It doesn't matter how nice a person they are. So it's important to follow and, and focus and find people that share your values and your passions. And of course, what that comes with knowing yourself. You know, yes. you have to. To know yourself. And, you know, I've seen it over and over again with people who don't know themselves and try and blend and become who the other person wants them to be. Oh, and, right. You know, and it's, there's, there's um, such a compromising of self that happens when, when you do that. And I've seen it like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What, what did this person not like about me? What, what, what could I have done differently? And it's really not about that in most cases. No, and it builds resentment too in the part of the person who's given up themselves. After a while, they feel resentful. And they may not know why, but there's sort of benign anger that goes on behind a lot of different things. That's because they're right. pretending to be something they're not. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad to see, particularly when, you know, a couple have been together for 10, 15, even 20 years, and one of the partners is really, really um, angry, and, and uh, but with passive anger, uh, and it's uh, toxic, and right. they can't voice it, what it is. But that's exactly, as you explained, Cindy, that's exactly what it is. They pretended to be something they're not. Right. You know, and I think that's... Um, that's one of the, the hardest parts. You know, when you first start dating, oh, I love um, uh, scrambled eggs or I love fish or I love, oh, so do I. And, you know, you know, it's that first phase where, oh, you like that kind of music? Oh, so do I. And, you know, they have, they yeah. have those commonalities and, you know, and things. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, my goodness, you know, I don't look at the way they do this or look at the way they do that. Right. And it's still yeah. a matter of if you know yourself you won't be mm-hmm. so quick to judge the other person. It will be, whoa, like like the gentleman that you described. It's it would, it would have been okay for him to be a little skeptical and say, you know, I don't know much about that. Can you can you explain to me? But you yeah. know, to, to, right? I mean, but that's but but it wasn't skeptical, and and it was a matter of, you know, I I mean, I I know how that feels because um, when I first came out as a psychic, you know. I mean, I I didn't even consider myself a psychic. It was kind of funny. I just knew I knew things about people. And, you know, and then when I first came out, I was actually um, married at the time. And he's like, don't tell my family you're a psychic. I said, and I was kind of like, I was like, what do you mean? And he says, no, no, no. And I said, well, I'm not going to lie about it. And he said, well, I'm not asking you to lie, but just don't bring it up. <laughs> it was like, it was like Oh, he probably found probably, it scary. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's like, but he also didn't understand energy healing or any of the other things either. So it was, right. you know, it was kind of like a um, an interesting situation. But and the more you know that I became more comfortable with who and what, and you know, the the rest of it, you can imagine. So because there yeah. has to be, yeah. you know, but and the, but the more you honor yourself, what I have found personally is that. You know, if you do ex- attract that situation very much like you described, you're just like, okay, well, this isn't going to work, and there's really probably no point. And you know, right. Um, right. And but I loved how you talked about at the beginning of the interview. And if you're just joining us, um, listeners, this is uh, this wonderful Dr. Georgina Cannon, and she's giving us uh, tips and tools from her new book, The Third Circle Protocol, where you have a me and a you, and then you have the relationship. And um, I love how you talked about with you know, Uncle Charlie, you know he's going to be there. You know you're going to face this person. Uh, the holidays are, are filled with, you know, situations and neural pathways that have been the same way and the person's the same way. Um, but you come in, you know, different this time, <laughs> you know, yeah. with with, with tools in your toolbox. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you're totally more relaxed because you know that it's all okay. He can be who he is and allow him to be who he is. He's going to be very disappointed, by the way, if he doesn't get a rise out of you. Um because he's expecting that too. <laughs> yeah. But you know, he, he's playing his role, and you're you've changed yours. So, and it's all fine. And he wants to be that way. Fine, as long as he he's not doing any harm. Um, by you know inappropriate touching or whatever, whatever. But the point is, as long as he's just vocalizing <laughs> in his usual right. irascible way, what difference does it make? Right. And you can enjoy dinner. Thanksgiving dinner without getting indigestion. <laughs> right. Okay, so I'm going to read an endorsement um, from uh, one of uh, a syndicated advice columnists uh, about your book. And she says, anyone who's in a couple has parent-child tensions, an overcritical friend or a difficult boss, can benefit from reading the Third Circle Protocol. Its basic principles have a healthy, um, its basic principles, okay, are have a healthy understanding of your own values and priorities. Then consider the relationship with another as a separate entity. Are now made understandable and practical to apply through this book. All relationships are complex and most people give lip service to working on it, but get lost in their own separateness. Georgina Cannon provides a map and exercises to get you and your relationships to a better place. She posits the relationship as a contract to be nourished, nurtured, respected, and heard. It's not always easy, but with practice becomes a more promising route to relationship satisfaction and success. Um, her final words, I'll advise my readers to give it a try. So, Dr. Georgina, where are you going next? You you have been doing this work for a while. You help people from all different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, let's, 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 I'm going to make sure before um, we have just a few more minutes, I want to uh, have you uh, give us your website and then uh, your Facebook or how we find you again. Okay. Uh, what I'm going to be doing next with this is actually I'm going to be teaching it. I'm going to be teaching the third surgical protocol so people can become a registered practitioner. And I'll be doing that in the spring um, to coaches, counselors, psychologists, whatever. Um, they can, people can reach me at georginacannon.com. And I'm on Facebook, um, both as Georgina Cannon author and as Georgina Cannon. And on Twitter, at Georgina underscore Cannon. Okay. So what are you the most excited about these days? Oh, I'm I'm so excited about <laughs> this work. I tell you, because I see people get the aha. They The minute I give them in the clinic or on Skype, the two first forms, because most people don't think about their values. They don't think about their priorities. And when I ask them, they, they literally get excited. They understand how big this is, even though it's simple, that once you really get yourself, it's a whole new way of being. And to see that excitement, I get fired up with it. I'm telling you, I'm <laughs> it's the most exciting thing that I have done in all the years I've been doing this work. I think we should look at it as me, you, and the country with our current political situation. Oh, me, wouldn't that be great? Now think about it. Just think about it. And, you know, the, the country or the world. Yes. Well, oh, we only have a couple more minutes, you know, 90 seconds. But, um, but you know, just think about, yes. you know, it, it, it's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. And I know how I feel. So what can we both bring to this situation you know, to go to the next level with this. How can I use my values to improve um, the world, humankind? Right. Mm-hmm. right. Oh, so listeners, listen to this. <laughs> you know, and it's it just changes it. No one's in a defense mode. No one's in an attack mode. It's in a right. coming together with our mind meld, um, right. you know, and getting out of, the, you're in your head, but you're in your head with your heart. You're looking for a solution. The best of yourself. Yes. Okay. Final word of wisdom. Anything else you want to offer us? You've been fabulous, by the way. I want to thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes, just know that you are so much more than you seem. 
you are magnificent and you are everything and choose which parts of you you're going to use and celebrate them with my blessing. And with that, it is a wrap, and I just want to give thanks for Dr. Georgina Cannon joining us tonight. We will be back on the air next week. Remember, like us on Facebook, Spirit Seeker Magazine, and stay in touch. You know, send an email to info at spiritseeker.com. Ask to be on our email list, and we will keep you posted of wonderful, wonderful things happening on our planet. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you so much, uh, Georgina, for being my guest this evening, and um, just let us know how Spirit Seeker can help. I'm just grateful that we found each other so me too okay okay thanks so much good night everyone okay thank you good night